Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wharton Fintech Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Vendiva. And today, I had the privilege of hosting another Israeli founder of a unicorn fintech startup. Arad Levertov is the CEO and founder of Sunbit. Arad is well known in the industry as one of the top executors in fintech. And Sunbit, his company, is blowing up. It's already the point of sale financing solution for more than 20,000 merchants and provides more than 2 million loans nationwide. So buy now, pay later, got a lot of hype with all of the online different options, whether it's Klarna or Firm. And Arad decided to take a different approach. And he talks a lot about that approach in terms of attacking the brick and mortar and thinking about how to bring a lot of value to those brick and mortar institutions. Arad also shares a lot of stories and values about how he was building the company, how he continues to build it, and how he thinks about execution. Again, one of his secrets. I had a lot of fun recording this one. I learned a lot from Arad, and I hope you all do too. And a warm welcome to Arad Levertov from Sunbit. Arad, welcome to the Warren Fintech Podcast. So Arad, I've heard from so many people uh, around the industry that you are really one of the best executors out there. What is your secret to execution? First of all, great being here. Uh, thank you for asking me, Josh. I, it's, it's a privilege to be in this um, podcast. And um, I don't know who you read. It's probably, probably not from the right people. Um, I, I'm trying to do the best. And I think um, when you think about execution, it's all start with the why. And I think that when you connect the people that work with you, on the why they do what they do. And at Summit, we have a big mission, which we call it eliminate financial waste and pass savings back to merchants and customers. People are connected. And and because they're connected to the mission, they put they put the ego on the other side. So they don't care about the ego. It's not about how do I look or how do you look. It's how do you do better for the merchant or for the customer. So that's kind of, um, we're working on it all the time. And then you are able to get great people and um, and with great people, you just need to focus, and we can talk more about it, but how do you focus on the most important things and then just deliver? You know, be consistent, deliver, hard work, day after day, month after month. Is the why that you have now at some bit, is it the same as when you started? Yes. You know, so um, my background, I was um, working in a, in a company that provides, uh, uh, you know, high cost of credit financial services. Um, I cost loans, uh, online loans, and um, I identified an, an, an opportunity to basically do it smarter um, in a better way that actually uh, will save money for customers, but also will be able to make money for uh, uh, for for the company. And we put it as a mission, and this was the mission from day one. So it's, we're able to attract good people, starting from the founders and the management team. Um, and connect them to the mission, which is important mission. If you save someone uh, money by paying much less interest, you feel that you have such a great tool, the customer is happy, so you want to get to many, many more customers so they actually use it, and um, it kind of motivates everybody to work harder to make it happen. So why don't we go into that? Take me through the founding story of Sunbit. Tell me a little bit how it started and how you got, how you got your, your first year, I guess, in, in starting the company. I can uh, maybe take a little bit even uh, a little bit before. So, you know, as you can hear, I'm an immigrant. I moved to the U.S. in 2008 and started doing my MBA. And then uh, looking for internship, they actually, you know, it was 2009. Nobody really wanted to hire anything. It was the financial crisis. Uh, anyone, especially not uh, immigrants, that they need to sponsor the visa. And the only company who gave me an opportunity 
was the company called Innova International that was, was providing um, online lending for the customers, uh, for customers who did not um, qualify for credit cards. And um, when I joined the company as an intern, got the, the, the great experience, um, I learned that there is a huge market of, um, of uh, people that do not qualify for credit card. And uh, these people are stuck with unexpected expenses and they need to learn to, to, to get a loan of like five, $600, sometimes $100, sometimes like $1,000. And in order to do it, uh, one, the company, in order to lend to them, spends a lot of money of uh, getting them into the door. And that caused the, the customer paying a lot of money for the credit. And this is all, you know, this is the market. It's, you know, it's legal, it's a public company, it's doing really well, um, transparent, all clear for the consumer, but this is the market. At that time, I personally was a subprime customer who could not get the credit because I was an immigrant. And um, one day I went to Costco and I said, you know, after being in the in the U.S. for like two, three years, I say, I said, this is my time for me to get a, a, a Costco credit card. So I actually tried to apply for a credit card at Costco um, next to the cashier with like, a, you know, $300 of um, grocery um worth that they need to pay for the credit card. And after about uh, 10 minutes of application, when the cashier, which I don't know, asked me um, all the personalized questions about where do I live, how much do I make, what is my social security number, I actually was declined, was declined and became one of these customers that I serve in my day to day. So then I thought there was opportunity to start a, um, a company that basically provides financing in the point of sale doesn't spend all the money on the marketing and can get these savings of spending the money of requiring the customer directly to the customer and also to make good money. So this is the high level and we can dive to more. Well, take me to this. You're, I mean, you're two, three years in the U.S. I think you have kids at this point, right? You're married. You have fine, you know, you worked your, your butt off to get this great internship, this great job. How did you take the leap of faith and say, you know, I want to start this company like what was what was the the push? What was the driver from that time at Costco to now actually taking action? The good question is super hard decision. Let's say and put it on. I, I was like three four years in the in uh, in the US. I was doing really well in my job. Didn't think I will be able to do so fast after you know I started paying my my um, my debt for the student loans and uh, and everything. And then I realized that this opportunity that I just discovered, which can really be big, said that, as I said, four kids make good salary and, you know, why would you do it? And uh, and then I, I read a book. I read a book uh, of how uh, Jeff Bezos started Amazon. And uh, and Jeff Bezos was, uh, I think, hedge fund, uh, hedge fund manager in New York. Um, and he realized there is a um, something called internet. And he said... He's going so fast. I think I want to to open a bookstore over there. And when he talked to his uh, um, boss, he told him, why are you doing it? You're making good money. You're going to be a partner. Why are you doing it? Then Jeff Bezos did the uh, um, 80 years old test. And he said, when I'm going to be 80, will I regret for starting a company? And he said, no. And, uh, you know, Sunbit is really, really far for any success of Amazon, of course, but I, I did the same test for myself. And I realized I'm working good, but I'm still young. 
I can probably find a job even if I fail. And I happened to be in the place where I found a really great opportunity to make an impact on so many people, to help them get credit uh, much cheaper, as I said, get much many more savings, and be a huge company. So if I'm here, I have no other choice. I have no excuses for myself. I just need to dive in and uh, go all in for it and, and give it a big try. Well, take me through exactly how you identified the opportunity. So you had this idea of access to credit, right? That was the initial idea, it sounds like. How do you go from access to credit to, you know, at point of sale, you know, buy now, pay later kind of structure? How does that transition happen? How does that scoping of the problem, how did that go? Were you interviewing customers? Take me through the early days. Yeah. The time at Costco, when I kind of got uh, declined, I realized, okay, I get declined right now when I try to apply for custom for a loan or for a credit card at the point of sale when I try to buy something. In my day-to-day, I actually provide customers like me credit, and they take this money and go to Costco to buy stuff at Costco. And then I said, okay, we can make it work. And if I, if I build a great product at the point of sale that approves a lot of customers instead of getting declined. That is much faster. Instead of spending 10 minutes, spend like 30 seconds. And uh, of course, uses the most sophisticated technology and artificial intelligence to make sure that what we call the money comes back. This can be huge. And when I identified it, I said, it's a great idea. How come nobody thought about it? Because there is a huge market of people buying uh, in the brick and mortar and there is no real solution. Um, at that time, all the binary letter online companies started, started, you know, um, um, Klarna, Fear, Remulator, but they all went to the online. And, and, and I understood why they went to the online because it's easier. You know, everybody wants to go to the online faster. However, the huge market is still in physical location. But people go to the doctor, people go to fix the car, people go to veterinarian, people go to um, sometimes do groceries and people fix their house or doing other stuff. And this, when I started looking, there was no other solution. So how did they start looking? It took like two years of investigation, going, doing mystery shopping, trying to apply for credit myself, trying to see that the only solution is really what we call the old-fashioned credit card that is based on technology from the 1950s and that takes, as I said, 10 minutes to apply and approves like 40-50%. And also the one that get approved get fees um, and, and, you know, hidden fees, additional fees for, 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 uh, for credit, and it's not good for the customer. And I said, again, I'm here. I think we can do it. Started, uh, we can talk about Stardust founding, you know, getting my founding team that are more in the technology and the sales, and there is opportunity to do something big. So let's jump on it. Well, I guess for the sake of our listeners, tell us which sector did you end up focusing on? Did you end up focusing on in the early days? And I guess yeah. how you decided that. So we we are um, uh, so we are four founders, by the way. So we have uh, um, Tal, which is the head of sales, and I. We we moved to California, to Southern California, to look for straws and build kind of the business and the Ornit uh, and Tamir, which Ornit is the CTO and uh, Tamir is the head of data science and machine learning. We're in Israel building the technology and the data science. And when we started to kind of build the product, um, you know, we put some money, we, we committed for no no salary and said, let's 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 do it. We started looking for stores. The first 
we didn't know what would work, so we just went one by one, one, one by one, and um, and relatively fast we realized that uh, there is opportunity with car repair in the authorized dealership. I'm talking about Toyota, Honda. There is a need. This is it happened to be unexpected expense. You come to the to fix your car, you think it's only um, uh, you know oil check, but then you need to replace your brakes, um, and there is really no solution not even the credit card no solution and um we realized there is opportunity um another thing that happened uh really well of this um vertical is that this is super fragmented which is um from one hand it's harder to scale but from the other hand it's relatively easy to set to sell because um you usually talk to go to a place, it could be like, you know, the, the owner, you can actually meet the owner, which is still hard because I need to sell to him, but you, you, you can meet the owner. So the sales cycle is is, uh, is faster. So with that, we realized there is huge opportunity. You know, there is a, a great beachhead vertical and let's, it's a big market. So let's double down on this. That's so interesting. So you, you recruited a founding team before you had identified this market, right? It sounds like. Yeah, you know, like we we for two years we were. I mean, the founding team are, are people that I knew for like uh, for in past for many 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 years. Um, you know, I grew up with Dal. Um, I, I I spent you know worked with Ornit, the CTO, like fifteen years ago at Intel. Um, and uh, Tamir, you know, our kids went to the same uh, school when I was living in Chicago, and he was doing this post PhD in um, machine learning in the University of Chicago. And when I realized that. Uh, that's what you need to to build the team. You need you need the sales, you need like data, and you need um, technology. I reach out to each one of them and said, "Okay, let's build something together." I really did it. I call it by the book. We met together for two days of aligning expectations and um, and set up goals. Um, that's kind of before we officially started. We agreed on the um, that we are going to do it, and we jump into the water and say. Let's go for all in. Were you all all fully dedicated to it? Or did you all keep your full time jobs? No, no. When we decided, I mean, fully dedicated, hundred percent. That's awesome. All in, no salary, put money in, and you know, we I, I have four kids at the time. Uh, Tyler, you know, three kids moved from Chicago to California. I moved Tyler moved from New York to California. Um, a lot of support from the families. But that's the only way to you. you the way I, I believe it, that's the only way you do it. I mean, it's got to be hard anyway, super, super hard anyway. So you need to give it all to to give it a try. Yeah, I love that. So you have a lot on the line. You're going through to all these different verticals. You know, probably talk to some healthcare providers. You know, all these different you know places where people go and, and need credit for unexpected expenses. How were you weighing the different options? What was the? Did you have a framework that you were using? Did you have you know everything on a board and you said let's pick one? Actually, so the the, the um, at first we'll just try the neural. Just go and see if there is a click. Right, it's not only they buy it but also they use it. And then you realize that um, there is more success with uh, with unexpected expenses. There is more success when the the um, the average um, uh, transaction is call it like in the uh, low thousand or you know high hundreds. Versus, like, it's, if it's too big, the customer will have a lot of time to spend time and don't research. If it's too small, the customer doesn't need the loan. And then there is a, a good success with repeat business, because then there is a good relationship between the um, merchant and the customer. 
Um, so they all want to behave well. And something that we, we realize that is really good is what we call it non-Amazonable. Things that are, would stay in the brick and mortar, people will still fix cars. And that's why it's hard to, um, uh, to replace. And that's why we believe we have high tickets. And when you kind of, but this is something we learn all on the go. And when you do it right, it's harder to scale. As I said, super hard to scale because 75% of the, of the car dealerships are single points. So thinking that you need to sign with 75% of them in order to get one transaction. And then on top of it, there is high turnover in the, in the stuff over there. But once you build it right, you build the machine and now we're adding like six, seven hundred new stores a month. We are already at more than 20,000 locations. Uh, I mean, most wow. like, wow. car dealerships and dental offices, many dental offices, it's the second resident goal. Um, and we have some other stuff. And um, once you build it right, it sticks well and the margins are also healthy because you have less competition. Again, as I said, most of the buying operators, they went to the online and that's why in one website today you will see three, four binary letters competing with each other. And where, where we go, we either the only solution or we compete with the what we call the old-fashioned credit card, the one that I applied and I got declined after uh, 10 minutes of discussions and we are doing approving 9 out of 10 in 30 seconds. Take me through how you build out like a point-of-sale buy now, pay later solution. Like how what did the initial product look like and how did you build that? So, I mean, Let's, let's call it like binopilator is an installment law, right? I mean, the, the name binopilator right. is, 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 uh, uh, it came only in the last, uh, couple of years, but installment loan is basically you, you, you take a loan and you pay in a few installments. And, uh, this is something about you and this is something about my background, uh, in, uh, providing lots to customers. We already had installment loans. So I tried to take this into the brick and mortar and into what we could, instead of giving a loan, doing financing or financing specific approaches. And um, you definitely need a lot of legal, right? So you need to understand the nuance of the legal of the regulation, which one, I came from this background, so I knew two, our first employee is actually general counsel and uh, head of regulation. Oh, wow. We knew, all, we knew how important it is. And then you need to sell, but also you need to make sure that they use it, right? I mean, it's not only enough to, to sell because you need to do what we call retail operation to support the 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 the, the merchant to support the chains after you after you you sell. Like everything, you have to do it step by step. Nothing is going first. You build the product; it looks good because you know. And you know, um, as I said, like for two years in the background, we we tried to build the product before we started. So when we officially started, within three months, we had a good, really good product. Um, and since you compete with credit cards that have been, um, you know, using technology for 1950s, your product is what we call 10x. It's not like almost, it's 10x. It's much faster, higher approval. Everybody is wowed by seeing the product. And once you do it, you're just selling. And that's how we call it. Uh, we, we, you know, our product actually scans. Uh, we scan the driver license, and we have proved the customer within thirty seconds. Take a lot of data from from the credit bureau with this. So we call it the magic trick. We go, we show the magic trick for the for the merchant, and then they buy it. Um, but then you need to support and work with the merchants and support the customer and, and work hard to make sure um, they are satisfied and happy because then they will recommend you to other uh, merchants and other customers. So for two years, you were building a product. How did that work with four, four co-founders? You know, how did you decide 
what were the critical features? How did you decide to wait to launch for two years? You know, how did all these decisions come about? Like, and how did you prioritize? So for two years, we did the research, right? We did the research and built the founding team. Um, and then when we decided about the uh, uh, the product, it was clear what we need. Like, again, I came from the, the background. I worked six years in the in, uh, online lending business. So I knew how it should be the product and what it should be. And what are the pinpoint in this part of the research that we did? How do you do it fast? How do you get the data? And when we officially started building a product or officially started the, the company, within three months we had. And then the prioritization actually came later, which vertical to go, where to invest the money, how, where do you want to, uh, to, to get growth, which means hire more sales, or to get more um, engineering to build the product better. At this time, you always have to prioritize because remember, you are a startup, you're running out of money. You're always running out of money. Um, so we have to, for one hand, show growth, and the other end, to make sure the product is really good and healthy because then you want to scale it with banks that give you laws and it has to be all regulated and perfect. And you pass all the time. And one of the things I learned is that there is, you need to be super, super, super focused. You cannot do a lot of things together. So you can say, you have to say no to many, many things in order to focus on other stuff. And for example, our product can work in many, many verticals, but we realize that there is good success with the car dealership repair. Um, and we also realized we knew we have like one year of uh, runway, which means within a year, we need to raise money and we need to create traction. And as I mentioned in the car dealerships, there is, um, um, you can sign because there is like short sales cycle and you can, you can not scale it like bidding, but you can add, you know, 10, 15, 25 new dealerships every month. And uh, we put all our salespeople on this one, which again, we had like two, three. So we put all of them on this one to make sure that we get traction. And once you double down on the vertical, you learn the, the way they speak. You learn the jargon. You, you, you learn how to sell. You hire people from the industry. And then you become really the monopoly of the, of the car dealership industry. Today, we are in uh, most, more than 40% of the um, authorized dealerships repair side. Um, you know, in some, so, around 7,500 out of like 17,000. And we are mainly the, the, the only player in point of self-financing. And we are became, we became a real brand. And once you do it right, you get to call it like 200 Hondas. And then you go to Honda and tell Honda, you know, I'm already in 100 of your dealership. But look, you're selling more parts. So now you push me into the rest of the night or into the extra nine, 900. And then you help me. Now we have about 15, um, what we call OEM endorsement from Honda, from Toyota, from Nissan, oh, from wow. Kia, that help us to get into the dealerships because they see it in the right direction. And, and it all came that you have to be focused because you need to show traction. And then you show traction, you get more money for investors. Then you build the next vertical one you're growing this one. You know, you have like the, the, the cash cow once you try to look for your stars for the next stars. So how are you right now weighing between building building features for let's say auto repair versus expanding into new verticals how do you how do you weigh between and and prioritize and focus between those two different trade-offs that's that's a great question because in general you always um i think that a lot of things your success in companies especially in startup is, is the, what you just said like prioritization and focus and uh 
you know, it always says that the best, uh, the best uh, people or the best leaders, the best executors are the one that have their head in the sky, but their their boots are, you know, really deep in the ground. And um, the head in the sky means, okay, what will actually move the big needle, right? And then, then when we started the uh, uh, the dental um, uh, vertical, and uh, it was I think end of 2021. We realized there is we believe we believe there is a good opportunity to do dental. Uh, but then I told Tal, you know, car dealership is going so well, but you need to make sure dental is going faster than car dealership, so it's not gonna be a small one. And we saw there is a huge market, there are not great products, and there is a real need. So we started, we identified and again it's a different model, different salespeople because um different jargon and different uh, training for the for the for the merchants, we said, okay, let's put like six months of it on it, put a few people, see how it works. Once it started working, double download this, make sure you, you're doing it. And today, by the way, again, we have 7,500 uh, locations of the car dealership. We have north of 8,000 8, even dental, but there are 200,000 200, dentists. So we just, you know, like 4% of the market. So it worked. And on the day to day, what, what, what we do, you try to make sure one you serve your customers a better as well. So if they need features or internet, because uh, these are your existing customers. It doesn't matter if it's dental or um, car dealership or other stuff. We have another product which is the Sunbit card. Um, you treat them well and you make sure that the performance of the product is well. And then the second thing, you have to focus on the most important things and you have to say no to many things that you need to do. In terms of the product, is there a difference in the I know you talk about how machine learning is such an important aspect of your product. Is there a difference in the 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 data between dental, you know, is there like a sector specific aspect oh. to each of your oh. machine learning models? Yeah, of course. Well, you think about it, the customer that uh, even like a customer that uh, decides to fix a car in the authorized dealership in Toyota, maybe a different customer that fixes car in the, you know, the mechanic across the street, right? The, the, the customer that goes to Toyota does she will pay more for uh, a repair. It tells something about this customer. So we have um, uh, our um, underwriting models are based on the data that we have on the customer, but also the specific data on the vertical. And, and by the way, 50% of the revenue actually comes from the merchant, not from the customer. And when more than 30% of the loans are um, 0% for the customer, we offer it to almost everybody, every customer and many, many customers took the zero percent, which means we don't charge any money for them. And it's a little bit, it's different within verticals, different within the pricing. Um, this way you need to be super verticalized, not only in the underwriting and the model, but also in the approach, in the sales, in the account management. Um, the good news where in the US, everything is so big and there is huge opportunity to do it in different verticals. Yeah, I actually just hosted Itzy Coin from Payzen who's doing something similar, but for, for medical um, bills. And that's, that's so interesting. That's like verticalization within, within the, the point of sale financing. So think of how the product actually works. Your customers scan their IDs. Are you KYCing them at the point of sale? You're KYCing them and then running like a credit check. How exactly does that work? Yeah. Think of through the customer experience and, and yeah. kind of what's going on in the background. So, the customer scans the ID, right? I mean, in the, compare it to applying for a credit card that you need to fill in a form of application, we just ask to scan the ID. Once you scan the ID, if one, we scan the ID. So there is an ID, we check that it's an ID. 
to the with the customer consent, we go and we take the entire credit file uh, from the credit bureau and we build into the model um, of underwriting um, based on the credit file, based on the vertical, as I mentioned. And um, and then we provide a customer with an offer. And the offer usually, you know, how much the customer can spend and then the customer can put the amount that she wants to spend today. And then, you know, it splits into whatever uh, installment on three, six, 12, sometimes even more, it depends on the vertical um, months. And then what they choose, uh, when the customer choose what they want to do, then we ask them for your own, uh, usually for a debit card that we can take a down payment and um, sometimes and uh, um, register for the monthly recurring fee or monthly, you know, the monthly payment. And then they register the payment, they complete it. It's really fast. And the good thing about it, we approve nine out of 10 customers and we do not charge any fee and we do not charge any interest, which is higher than the credit card companies. And then, and then you do you pay your vendor like your your um your customers yeah, like straight? Pay. You yeah. pay them straight away. We are, we are, we straight away minus uh, uh what we call a merchant fee. So let's say it's yeah. one thousand dollar pressure. So we would pay whatever call it nine fifty nine fifty to the to the car dealership, and um, that's why we have kind of on the spot we have some revenue for the merchant, um, and then there is also revenue comes from the um, um from the customers over time, and this would be right, yeah. That's awesome. And then we support the customer, of course, and work with the customer. And the good thing is for the best customers, once they make one payment, two payments, three payments, we would offer a credit card, a Sunbit Next Generation credit card, so they can use anywhere, not only in this dealership. Like they can use it in uh, Amazon, Uber, anywhere they want. And this credit card will have zero fees, so no late fee, no annual fee, nothing, zero fee. And they would have different features that they, ne- they can actually split each purchase into uh, buy an operator purchase if they want, or they can pay it like um, each purchase, um, like a debit card without interest, like we offer it to, to customers. This is only an invite on the credit card. And now we have um, uh, nearly 100,000 customers that only deal. Wow. That's, and that's totally in line with your mission, right? Access to credit. That's, exactly. that's what it's all about. And, and exactly, with the financial ways, like these customers, after they prove themselves, we give them a credit card with no fee, in much better terms compared to what the other option maps. How do you think about aligning all of your employees around this mission and like continuously reinforcing that? You know, we are 500 employees with and, uh, and uh, I always, uh, I say it a lot to, to my employees. We try not only to talk the talk, but also to walk the talk, right? I mean, uh, um, I invite people to, to read Google and views. Uh, we make sure that we are treating customers well, that we are treating merchants. We know that every, we, we try not to get blinded by the numbers because sometimes you can say, oh, we have 20,000 merchants, we provide more than 2 million loans, it's so cool. At the end of the day, we mentioned that there are people behind this loan. There are people that need to fix the car, need to fix their uh, teeth, and we remind it to the, to the, cost, to the, to the employees in the way we, we develop a product, of course, in every company meeting, but also not only this, in the way we develop product, in the way we make decisions, uh, are we increasing interest or not increasing interest? Do we add the fee? You know, now our cost of interest increased right now because of the Fed rate, but we made a decision not to have any fees and we still not, not have fees. So we said we need to find this improvement and by us being better, but not by... Uh, 
adding more uh, cost to, to the uh, to the customer. So they wow. see, and they said that we work on it, we work the talk, and I think they believe it, and um, and that's why um, they stay. As I said, like our management leadership team. Uh, most of us, most of them started really, really early in the days and stay and, uh, you know, keep hustling. So, yeah, going to that, I mean, how has the 5.5% Fed funds rate affected your business? You know, we, we take, we lend money from uh, the facilities that use this. Uh, I mean, we borrow money from the facility and we lend it to uh, to, to customers. So, um, and, and when we borrow money and uh, float the rate, so it was... You know, software plus X. So the software, which is right. kind of the, the Fed rate team was zero, now it's five, is definitely hard to hurt the mar- margin, right? I mean, that's, uh, that's what happens with everything with lending. But I think it is a great um, um, opportunity to stress test your business. To And when I say stress test, it's not only like for the finance team to look at stress, to really see if you really add value to the merchant. Because if you really add value to merchant customers, you should make it happen even when there is uh, something changes. Um, you should keep growing. You should uh, hit profitability because your margins should be good enough in order to do it. So it did impact. However, because our uh, performance are good and we have good margins, we're doing well. And as I said, many people need to fix the car and go to fix their teeth and there are a lot, a lot of competition. Yeah. How do you think about your roadmap as a company now? What's like your grand vision for Sunbit? So the really, uh, again, all goes with the uh, um, the mission of us as a company, which is what we call eliminate the financial waste and pass savings to merchants and customers by providing them better credit um, compared to what they have in the pocket. And um, when you look at this mission, it's big. I mean, now we are, our, our strategy is to go B2B2C. We go to meet the merchant and the customer at the point of sale, provide a blow that helps the merchant to sell more, helps the customer to um, to get more, and then provide more 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 products for the customer, like the credit card, and more products for the merchants and should be in the, uh, in the future. And this is a huge mark. Only in the physical location, the US brick and mortar, there's five trillion market of, of purchase. So we are going, you know, really focused, but one by one, um, going to keep pushing hard on this one and um, and there is the the more we we reach customers the more we have opportunity to keep growing as a company you know when i hear you describe every step of the company it makes sense why you're such a good executor you make it just sound so obvious you're like yeah this really made sense so we went there and this really made sense and so we went there and this is the vision and it's a huge market it all sounds almost easy the way you put it it take me through some some doubts, I guess, or or oh, or. I mean, no, there's so there's so the, the yeah. point. It's business, right? I mean, let's let's give one example, right? I mean, you drive a car. As I said, you need when you sell to a mechanic. I mean, one, you need to get to there. Two, uh, we need to sell one by one, so it's hard, and you need to do in to do inefficiently. And then we try to raise money, which is super important in the startup. Everybody believes that, man, it's so hard. How can you do it? So you don't have money. So it's hard to raise money. So we need to balance all of it. And, you know, for years, we lived with a few months of, 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 of runway. Sometimes it was like weeks. Sometimes it was months. Sometimes it was a um, year. And, um, and that's why you have to be super, super focused to do it. 
but I, I see it counterintuitive, you know, because the more, the harder you do, because think about it, given loan is hard because you need to make sure the money comes back. Going to brick and mortar is hard because you need to get to brick and mortar. Um, serving, you know, retail is hard. Building a company is hard. Raising money is hard. But the harder it is, if you're able to figure it out, you are more defensible, right? And then the, you are more defensible and there is higher uh, stinkiness and um, and you build a company that will last. I mean, that's exactly what you try to do. So, um, unfortunately, no, no shortcuts. We've been doing it for um, seven years since 2016, even more. And it's step by step by step. At first, you give small loans and then you give higher loans. I mean, we moved to dental, which is higher cost of loans, only after we had good book of, of, of uh, right. dealership. And now you can do, you take more risk. And you have to do it, and you have to convince your investors that are um, um, that you will do it, which, you know, sometimes they have doubts and that makes sense. Um, but it is our investors that believe in you, and we have we have great investors, so we love it as well. Wow. How do you think, um, kind of pivoting more to, like, talk about the sector as, as at large, uh, how do you think rising interest rates will affect buy now, pay later as an entire sector, including the online versions and and other point of sale, maybe? So, again, the, the interest rate has an immediate impact on any lending things, right? It's not like, you know, it, it does impact in general on the fintech, on, on the, you know, tech industry and fintech industry. But on the lending, it's a really double down for two reasons. One is the reason I already said, it just increases your cost. Two, when there is increased interest, the customers may be um, in more stress, so maybe it can increase your uh, uh, delinquency on default. And and companies that do not have enough margin, and when I say margin, I mean they don't really add real value. I mean they 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 add some cool value, but not real value that people are willing to pay for it. They will struggle, and uh, I believe that the. Um, some players in the online that uh, it was easy to start without a lot of barriers to entry, they will struggle right now, and they're going to be consolidation. And not only in the online, but uh, in many cases. But eventually, I feel good about it because eventually it will, you know, separate the the, the I call it the real companies from the one that are were riding the uh, low interest rate and the uh, a lot of VC money. Yeah. So so in fintech. I- and at large, you know, it does seem like there is this, like there are companies who've, after 2020, 2021, there's companies for everything, right? There's every single vertical you can think of, every single, you know, B2B, SaaS, you know, every single, you know, BMPL sector you can think of, you know, office of the CFO. Is there anything left for, for are there any sectors out there where you're saying, you know, there's this, there's this thing in fintech, that no one's really building a solution for. Maybe it's a little far from Sunbit, so you can't build it yourself. So let me uh, give you a um, kind of nice thing example. So if you think about 20, 20 years ago, you and I were consuming media by reading the newspaper, right? You know, actually, you know, printing a newspaper and reading newspaper. And uh, today we consume media by digitally. Um, and it's much more personalized. I mean, the ads that you see because you're in Philadelphia are different than the ads that I see in Los Angeles or because you're at Warden and I'm in different places and um, different things like this. In the fintech industry, so, so, so the ad tech was really moving to be much more personalized and more customer-focused. 
the fintech industry, and fintech it's a lot, right? It's the way you manage your money, the way you manage your bank, the way you take credit, the way you take student loan, the way you are, um, take your mortgage, um, and many other stuff. Because of the regulation and the high barriers to entry, the move is much slower. But eventually, the focus will move there. It may take more time because the current, um, you know, um, state of the interest rate and the, and the where it is right now. But if I look at my kids, there we manage the the money differently. I manage on depending on my parents to manage because it has to be much more personalized. And when I say personalized, it means cheaper for each customer because you know you just may may pay lower uh, rate than I have to pay because you are a better customer. Why do we both need to pay the same? Why 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 we both need to have the same credit card? Um, so it will be much more personalized, much better opportunity. And eventually, um, the fintech will get there. So I think when you think about starting a new um, a new company, um, try to find this angle that you see the uh, the inefficiencies, and it's big enough, and just is jump on it all in. I mean, learn it, understand it, and jump on it super, super all in um, in order to try and solve it. And you need to know that it's going to take some time because it's harder because of the regulation, because there is some kind of anything is hard. Um, but I'm sure there is, I know there is tons of tons of opportunities uh, to improve lives, lives uh, with fintech. I love that. What, what role does uh, generative AI play in this in this future vision? AI in general, we bring in our, our co-founder is the... Um, He's he's been doing AI for all his life. Um, he's now in the head of data science and machine learning in the technology, the equivalent to um, MIT in Israel. And AI makes things more um, efficient in general, right? I mean, we say personalized our models are more accurate. Right? And when the model is more accurate, I have better return, so I can actually give lower interest for people, right? So so it all goes to this. If if um. If I know that more people will pay because the model is better, because it took into account the data, and as I said, where do I buy it? Put it in the best model of artificial intelligence. More people pay, I can get more. Um, uh, I can actually lower the cost. And it's not only the model; it's also the way we build the the, the product. So people will offer it in the store. The way we deal with the call center in the end, and we call it AI everywhere where um, end-to-end from the company, you have AI from building the initial product through the underwriting, through the uh, customer support, through the collections, um, all together, you get better um, results that lead to better customer experience, more customer loyalty, better customers, uh, net promoter score, more stickiness, and at the end of the day, improving people's life. And that's what you want to do. Um, and that's why many tech companies, um, you know, starting. But fintech, um, specifically, you touch what people uh, maybe don't like to talk about it, but they have to deal with it every day, which is the money. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. Well, listen, we're, we're coming to a close here, unfortunately. But uh, but I do have my, I do a little lightning round where I ask short short questions and and hope for short answers um you've actually answered a lot of my my questions here in the in the lightning round with advice for people looking for their own path and stuff like that but uh but i guess i'll start with uh top book recommendations 
So I read one book um, like 20 years ago, which is uh, called uh, From Good to, to Great by Jim Collins, um, which basically looked at uh, um, companies that were good, but became great, and what are their characteristics on this one. I really liked it. Um, it helped me to think as I build a company. The other thing I would say, in general, books that are, you know, were written about funding great companies, the thing is good. I read, you know, the Amazon book or Shooter of Finland uh, of uh, Nike. It gives you good ideas of how they started. The thing that now you see is so big, it's actually inspiring a lot. That's part of the reason why we have the podcast, so people can have short, short, many hour versions of uh, those kinds of stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, and top advice for someone who's looking to more, learn more about, let's call it the BNPL space in general, content or otherwise. I think in general and everything, um, I mean, if you want to work in something, you need to learn. There are no shortcuts. Try to be professional. Try to learn. Try to understand. Um, try to join a company. If, if, if this is what you are passionate about, trying to join a company and... Uh, and uh, and be there and really learn what are the what are the problems this company is trying to solve, um, and then how will you contribute to this, and then hopefully you will take it to the next step. And to, to that point, is Sunbit hiring? Sunbit is hiring, uh, always hiring. Um, of course, we are paying close attention to the expenses in these days, and um, we do we do have a position here in Israel. Always try to get good people to join our which there you go. You're going to get a flood of uh, Wharton applications now. <laughs> good. More awesome. Great people. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Arad, for joining us on the uh, Wharton FinTech podcast and have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton FinTech podcast. If you like the show, please like or comment on social media or even consider leaving us a review. It really helps us spread the word to more listeners. If you want more content from our fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast, or you can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Medium, at Warren Fintech. And there you can find interviews, articles, and so much more analyzing all aspects of the fintech industry. As always, thank you to our editor, Rafael Saria. And until next time, I'm your host, Josh Benedivo.